Heavenly Father, we thank Thee, Lord, for this beautiful midwinter morning to awaken, Lord, to see a fresh blanket of snow and the sun reflecting off it and hearing yet, Lord, the birds that winter with us. It was just a glorious way to start a day, to start Thy day. And we thank Thee, Lord, for that. We thank Thee also, Lord, for this warm place that we can gather in. We thank Thee for each soul who has come. Be with those, Lord, that can't be with us. We're mindful of Brother Emil and Sister Debbie, the Marcy's, Sister Hilda, Aunt Marie Harfman and Aunt Laney, and others, Lord, that may escape me, Hans and Helene and, and Herb and, and Rosemary. Lord, there are so many that aren't able to be with us because of the concerns of, that are still present with the virus, but we with them, Lord, bless them. We pray that, that they might feel our nearness that is brought to them by thy spirit. Lord, be with those that are caring for the sick in this day and minister to their needs as well. Lord, we're thankful that those brothers and sisters in our midst that care for the sick have been able to stay free from the dangers of the pandemic. And we're also thankful, Lord, that more and more of our community and our fellowship are being able to get the vaccine so that if it could be thy will, a bit of a more normal time might be just around the corner. Lord, open thy word to us and teach us from it. Lord, help us to, to be diligent in spending time in thy word that thy spirit might be able to speak mightily in our midst. And we thank thee and we praise thee for all thy goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear ones, this morning, the Lord opened to Acts chapter 8. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to read from that Acts chapter 8. It's a very familiar scripture. And just in the last few moments, the Lord has continued to bring different experiences that I've made and thoughts that I've had to, to come together. So I'm praying that the Lord's going to give me the clarity of my thoughts so this will make sense between now and a few moments before we leave. Acts chapter 8, beginning with the first verse. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, 
for, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is a great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw through laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whosoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this, of this thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in a gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which ye have spoken come upon me. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that thou goest down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is a desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit saith unto Philip, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except a man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before, he opened, before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet of this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on, there they, went, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, 
If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. The entire eighth chapter of the book of Acts. Dear ones, it's, we read this as a historical account. And for me, it seems that I just, I, I compartmentalize things and I read the historical portion, <coughs> excuse me, but I don't focus on what's really happening. So before we get to this chapter, chapter 7 is the stoning of Stephen. And before we get to the stoning of Stephen, we have the first church in Jerusalem, a, a, a large grouping of brothers and sisters, so large that that they have to figure out how to, how to care for the needs of people. And so we have the seven deacons that are, that are appointed. Men who were full of the Holy Spirit. And things were going so well. Until Saul gets riled up. and Decides that he's going to now take these people, drag them from their homes, and throw them in prison. Imagine, dear ones, if that would have been us in Jerusalem. Imagine if we had finally had it all start to make sense. You know, we've, we've followed this, this Galilean prophet. We believe that he was special. He said he was the Son of God, and we believed it, but we really didn't understand what that meant. And then all of a sudden, our world gets turned all upside down, and he is arrested, beaten, and crucified. And we're like, what is happening now? And we wonder and we're fearful and, and there's so many things that are taking place that none of us really understand. And then it's not long and, and he appears and it starts to make sense. And then he's gone, but he says, I'm going to come back. And we try to figure out how this organization, this new church is supposed to function and the apostles get together and things are just starting to make sense. And it's all flipped upside down again. What's happening? I thought this was the way it was supposed to work. Jesus said this is what was going to happen. We were going to, you know, and we were, you know, we were going to get this. And we have the Holy Spirit. And now everything should work out just fine until that time when the Lord returns or we are called home to be with him. And now Stephen's martyred, and we're scattered. We all have to leave. It says the apostles stayed, but everybody else left. What do you do? How do you deal with the, the fear? How do you deal with the negative thoughts? How do you deal with the questions in your mind? What makes sense of this? But that's not what they did. At least, that's not what Philip did. It's not what most of them did. So it says, 
after the devout men take Stephen to his burial, and after it identifies what Saul did, verse 4, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. How does, how does someone go from wondering what's going on to focused on going and preaching the word? They relied on the Spirit. And their mission was clear. Their purpose was clear. Their mission and their purpose wasn't to sit in Jerusalem and wait for the Lord to come. The Spirit made them clear to them in some way, speaking to them, you need to go. And you need to preach the word. Now imagine, dear ones, if when they went to preach the word, they went and they preached how horrible things were. Oh my goodness, this lot as a Christian is a really rough road to, road to hoe. It's a bumpy road. Just as soon as you think things are going to go right, the, <coughs> excuse me, the Lord drops the, I'm going to put a, a cough drop in my mouth, I hope you don't mind. Thank you to whoever puts these Ricolas up here, because I only brought two in my coat, and I used the second one already in Bible class. If they would have gone and they would have preached this depressing message, nobody would have listened. Why would you want to? Clearly, when they went preaching, they preached something that was exciting. They preached something that made sense. In Philip, verse 5, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. Why did he go there? That makes no sense. The Jews and the Samaritans hated each other. If you go back into the book of Ezra, when Ezra talks about the enemies, Bible historians believe he's talking about the Samaritans. When Nehemiah banishes Manasseh because he had married a, a woman of, 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 that wasn't a Jew, he leaves. And what does he do? He builds his own, they built their own temple. The only part of the Old Testament they believed was the Pentateuch. All the other stuff they didn't believe. They not only were, were doing their own thing, but as pilgrims would come from the north, the Samaria, and they'd have to go through Samaria, they would try to persuade the pilgrims to go worship at their temple and not go to Jerusalem. Philip goes to Samaria. Doesn't make sense. Unless he's told to go there. Unless there's something more to it than just going where you want to go, where you know you're going to be welcomed, where they're going to be glad you came. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and he preached Christ. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Dear ones, Philip had to go with a smile on his face. Philip had to go preaching the wonders of Christ, preaching the excitement of serving God and serving him in this new way, a way of saved people. Not just people that believe, 
but people who have been changed, transformed, as Brother Scott mentioned a few weeks back, that this transformation changes us. Old things become new. There's no more division. We're walking in the Spirit, and life makes sense. Now, he did miracles. Why did God allow him to do miracles? Because somehow there had to be some, some way of awakening these people to the fact that Philip was who he said he was. Now, you know, who was, Philip was one of the deacons. Philip wasn't one of the apostles. They stayed in, in Jerusalem. But he goes, filled with the Spirit, filled with the joy of the Lord, and he goes down to, to the city in Samaria, and the whole city starts to believe. Now, that we read here that there was this sorcerer, his name was Simon, and Simon had convinced everyone that he was somebody of great power, some man of God, and he did it through sorcery. Even he believed. He believed that something was happening here. And then we go a little bit farther, and word gets back to Jerusalem that the, the truth has been preached in Samaria, and they believe. Now the enemies of the Jews have the gospel. Not just Gentiles, but kind of like half-breed Jews. Who, Jews who have tried to, or Samaritans who were, were Jews, but kind of twisted all of that. So what do they do? Well, the apostles hear that the gospel's been preached. They go. Because at this point, the Holy Spirit was given as the apostles laid hands on people. So they pray over the folks, and the folks receive the Holy Spirit. And now there is even more joy in this town. And then poor Simon. He... Simon, the, the, the historical record of Simon has always been one that confused me. It says he believed, and I believe he did. But all of a sudden he sees that through the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit can be given. He missed the boat. That it wasn't Peter and John's hands that did anything. It was God who was allowing the Spirit to be given through the hands of Peter and John, and he says, hey, can you give me, I'll give you some money if you give me the same power to do this. And, and Peter, isn't it interesting? You see the personalities of the people. We don't read that John said anything. John was probably contemplating, whoa, this poor guy Simon, he doesn't get it. What does Peter say? Um, but Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Ooh. Repent, therefore, of thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in a gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Well, how did Peter know to say that? Well, the Spirit told him. 
Those words didn't come from Peter. Those words came from the Lord through the Spirit. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which thou hast spoken come upon me. I'm glad that that verse is there. I'm glad that that verse is there because that also tells us about the heart of Simon. This was also new. It was new for not just him and the people in Samaria. It was still new for the people throughout that region. They were trying to come to understand what does this really mean? And what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to be motivated by the Spirit? What does it mean to speak at the utterance of the Spirit? Now, after this account with Simon, Peter and John go back to Jerusalem. They do some more preaching throughout the region on their way back, and they go back to Jerusalem. But now we got Philip. Well, Philip, being so successful as this evangelist, and really being used by God to bring multitudes to the truth, is told by an angel to go to the desert. Philip, go. I, you know, I was sitting in back during Bible class, and Abraham was told to go. Philip went, told by an angel to go to a desert where there's nobody. Why would you leave a city and go to the desert? Why would you leave a place where you're so successful in what you're doing, you're being used by God to bring forth the truth? It wasn't that he, that he had businesses that were going well. It wasn't that, he was, you know, that the economy was great and whatever he was selling was being bought by. No, these were lives that were being changed. He was doing things that mattered. He was working in the kingdom and on the king's business. There was a phrase that Uncle Philip used to use a lot. And when he was busy working on church matters, he would say, I need to be about the king's business. He got it too. But Philip, being told by the angel, goes and he ends up in Gaza. And I wonder what he was thinking. I mean, let, let's face it. These were normal human beings. These were not super spiritual people. These were saved people. These were redeemed people. My brother and my sister, just like us. They were no more special than we are. But he's in the desert, probably wondering, God, why did you have me come here? I know there's a reason, but what is it? And then the Holy Spirit says, that chariot right there, go join yourself to that chariot. And he goes. And as he's getting closer, he hears a man reading the prophet Isaiah. Isn't that interesting? And this is an Ethiopian who's reading the prophet Isaiah who was returning home from Jerusalem where he was worshiping. Isn't that interesting? Well, clearly the truth, the, the, the Jewish faith had made its way, we know that, had made its way to Ethiopia. 
And this wasn't just any Ethiopian. This was the guy in charge of all the treasures of Ethiopia. He was a powerful man. But he didn't understand what he was reading. And Philip says, hey, do, you know, friend, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, how can I read if there's nobody to explain it to me? And Philip climbs up into the chariot. And as they travel, he explains what it's all about. And I love the part where the Ethiopian says, you know, does this prophet speak of himself or someone else? That's where he, he was, see, that Ethiopian was seeking. He wanted to know the truth. He was reading something that was tugging at his heartstrings. He was ready for the Lord, for, for this awareness of, of who Jesus was to be illuminated to him. He just needed someone to share it with him. And reading the word alone wasn't going to cut it. There was no New Testament yet. There weren't, there, none of these accounts were there. It was all prophecy. And when Philip explained it, it all made sense. And they come along. And, and So if you think about what, we don't know how long it was, but boy, Philip went a long ways because he got to the point where when there's water, the Ethiopian said, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? How did we get from Isaiah to baptism? Well, Philip took him on that journey. doesn't need to take long. And he says, what hinders me? I want this full experience, Philip. Philip, I want what you have. Philip, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. All that was needed was somebody to explain it. And Philip listened to the Spirit, just as when he went to Samaria. And in that moment, that perfect moment, that divine appointment, the truth was shared, and the Ethiopian found life in Christ. And then took that new awareness to Ethiopia. Wow. My brother and my sister, who are we listening to? What are we listening to? In a devotional that I read this morning, and I don't remember if it was the devotional for today or for yesterday, but this, the writer of the devotional recalled an account of somebody in his church that just felt the need to go share the gospel with someone. So he made an appointment and he went to that person's house and this older man gladly received the visit. And he shared with him that he was lost and he needed Christ. And the old man gladly received the news of the gospel. And within a week he was gone. He had died. Imagine, dear ones, if that faithful servant of God had listened to the Spirit who said, Go and speak. As I read that devotional, 
And you've heard the story, and some of you experienced it. I remembered the time when, when Uncle Richard was joining our family for Thanksgiving dinner out at the lake, and there were a few folks from Ahepa that were there, and one guy's name was Brownie. Now, we didn't specifically ask Brownie to come. An invitation was made to the folks at Ahepa. Anybody need a place? Just... And maybe three people came, if I remember right. I don't remember the numbers. And when we were going around the table, and I don't even know which one of us said it, what are we thankful for? And Brownie said, I'm thankful that I have a place to come for Thanksgiving. I'm going on a journey. I don't know where I'm, when I'm leaving, and I don't know where I'm going. And I remember eyes just meeting. I looked at my dad, and he looked at me, and we looked at Uncle Richard, and like our eyes met. The Lord was revealing to us that Brownie was dying and didn't know the Lord. And Brownie, we invited him to church, and I know Uncle Richard spent many times talking with Brownie. And then all of a sudden, Brownie was up at Van Dyne and still trying to figure out what this whole gospel of peace was all about. Raised by a, his grandmother, I think, who, who might have been a Methodist. So he understood the truth, but he just he couldn't figure out. He had heard it. He didn't understand it. And then on Easter morning, some of us went just to visit Brownie. No, I, somebody went in the morning, and some of us went after church. And I think Orson Martin might have been there. And that Easter morning is when Brownie said, to my dad, I got it. I understand it now. And I think some of us may have gone just to see him after church, but within days, Brownie was gone. Divine appointments. Nothing special about us. But thankfully, there were people that were listening and encouraging those of us that might not have been listening as well. Dear ones, what are we listening to and who are we listening to? I was listening to a podcast yesterday on my way home. I went skiing with the kids and on my way home last night, it was, I'm almost, it's rare that I'm in a car alone anymore. I don't, I don't drive to work. So I'm, usually there's people with me in the car. And, and I was just in the car alone and, and I was listening to a podcast on the way out and on the way back and there was this young woman who was sharing a testimony of another young woman. She talked about, this woman was talking about how her, her life and her marriage was really a mess. But she knew the truth, and she was a believer. And she was just listening to the wrong voices. And what was amazing about that was that this, this young mother decided that what she needed to do was be obedient to God. Lean into her marriage. Lean into the relationship with her husband. So the obedience was there, even though it wasn't something she really wanted to do. But she was obedient. And then she said, but the other thing I did was 
I decided that I needed to spend more time in the Word. And she said, I spent more time in the Word. So she said, I was obedient, and I spent more time in the Word, and I spent more time in prayer, and I could just hear God speaking, and everything got better. So what the Lord said to me through that was, if you want to hear me, you start with obedience. We can't just say we're believers and the Spirit should speak. Because God wants to find out, is our heart where it needs to be? Am I obedient? Am I obedient to the things that I know are right and true? It's, it's, I think I mentioned this once in a sermon, but I wrote once about something called good hypocrisy. And it's, we all know how we're supposed to be, but we don't always feel like being that way. So if we start living that way, if we start acting that way, our actions will catch up, our mind will catch up with our actions. And if we know we're to be obedient, and we know what the Word says, just do it. Even if we don't feel like it right away. You know, if the Lord says you need to spend time in the Word, be intentional about spending time in the Word, we need to do it. And, and we're, if we're busy, that's an excuse. Who's telling us we're busy? And it was interesting, this, this one in this podcast, this, this young woman said that she sometimes takes one verse, that verse that she reads that speaks to her, and she, she copied it and puts it in a Google document so that she has it on her phone and her laptop or wherever. And she said, so, so when I'm struggling, when things aren't going the way I'd like them to go, I just keep reading that one verse. It doesn't need to be a whole chapter. It's just, she said, I just need to focus on the word. Even if it's, and this is a mother with six kids, 12 and under. Whoa, that's a, talk about a full-time job. That's two full-time jobs. But she said, I just take a verse. And I read the verse because she said, you know, you start by being obedient. And the heart catches up. And when the heart catches up with the obedience, the Spirit can speak because we are in the presence of the Lord. We're there. The Spirit always wants to speak. The Spirit always wants to give us the direction. The Spirit always wants to point out that divine appointment, that person, that, that intersection of human beings that might mean life or death for someone. The question is Am I hearing? It's not that He's not speaking. It's that I'm not listening. And that obedience brings about the change of the heart so that I can listen. You've heard the story that my dad has shared of going to the marina and seeing the man at the marina who was ill and how he decided that he would talk to him, so, but the man was busy, so he went across the street 
to the to the repair shop and said to his son, you know, how long does your dad have? Oh, like six months, year. So he said, you know, I don't want to interrupt. I'll come back. And then he was in the airport and he met another neighbor who told him that the man died. We don't want to be in that situation. I also know a man that was told by the Lord, you need to go share the gospel with someone. And everything seemed to go wrong in his day. And he didn't go. And the man died. Now, we don't know. You know, I, I, when, when I hear those stories, I think of Mordecai's words to Esther. And he said, you know, if you don't go, be assured that God's going to redeem Israel some other way. I sure pray that if I have those moments, those meetings that I missed, that God sent somebody else to that soul. But what I do know is I lose the blessing of being used by God and seeing God work. This other man that, that I said that I, that I know that had one of those moments, it affected him so profoundly that he said, I found myself sitting on the floor weeping and praying that God sent somebody else. So, dear ones, let's be encouraged by Acts, 18, by Acts chapter 8. Let's realize that that, bu- that book is in this wonderful Bible so that we can see how the believers acted. How did they live out their faith? If we're listening, we just might be sent to the Samaritans. And we just might be sent to a chariot. And there just might be an Ethiopian that just needs a few more words to understand what truth is and what life is. And then he just might take that to an entirely different country. These were just men and women like we are, and God is still God, and the Spirit is still powerful. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.